we have the assurance that you'll never leave us, that you'll never forsake us. And that with every one of your promises, your response to us is yes and amen. So we thank you today. Father, because we look to you, because we trust in you, we know that your blessing is already upon this time. And so we thank you for it. In the marvelous name of Jesus, amen and amen. Isn't God good? Well, let me give you another chance. Isn't God good? Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to continue our worship this morning by receiving tithes and offerings. And so if you need an envelope, just raise your hand. The ushers will get an envelope to you. You know, this week I was, uh, I was listening to John Hagee, and he was talking about you know where we are concerning the old covenant and the new covenant he was talking about you know the fact that we don't worship on Saturday uh, we worship on Sunday and I know that's one of the disputes that are out there which day we ought to really worship on I really don't think God cares. I think he wants us to have a day that we set aside, we put him first. But the difference between the old and the new covenant is under the old covenant, everything that they did, they did out of obedience. They did it out of a law. They did it because they had to. And so under the old covenant, they worshiped on Saturday because they had to. In the Old Covenant, when they gave of their tithes, they gave their tithes as an act of obedience to God because they had to, because as it says in Malachi, that they were told that if they didn't give to God, they were robbing from God. They were keeping from God that which belonged to Him. Now we're under the New Covenant. And under the New Covenant, as a rule, we worship on Sunday. And the reason that we, we worship on Sunday is because it's an act of faith. Faith involves obedience. But we worship on Sunday and we say to God, we commit ourselves unto you. And this week, this is your week to use as you choose. And we give of our tithes and offerings. We don't give them because we have to. We give them out of faith. And the reason that we give them on Sunday is because we give in faith, saying to God, we know that you're going to meet, that you're going to supply every one of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And so what we do under the new covenant, we do it by faith. We worship on Sunday by faith, knowing that God is going to bless us rather than on Saturday, thanking him for the way that he has blessed us. We give our tithes and offerings on Sunday, knowing that God is going to provide everything that we need for this week, rather than on Saturday saying, thank you, Father, for supplying for me this week. What we do as believers in the new covenant, we do it by faith. 
And so as you give of your tithes and offerings today, you're giving them in faith. It may be a product of what you received last week as a, of your labors, but you're giving it today saying, thank you, Father, that as I sow this seed, you're going to give me increase. Remember what we talked about last week? We talked about Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham gave tithes of everything. But Abraham didn't do it under the law. He did it as an act of faith unto God, demonstrating how he believed it was God that blessed him, not man. So that's why we give tithes and offerings. That's why we come together on Sunday. Because we know that we serve a loving, faithful God who supplies for and meets every one of our needs. Aren't you thankful for his faithfulness? So ushers, if you come forward, let's pray. Let's receive our offerings today. And as we give them, let's give them in faith, knowing that God grants us the increase. Father, we thank you today for this opportunity that we have to, to give. Father, we give knowing that it's because of you that we have increase in our life. And so we give today in faith, knowing that you meet and provide for every one of our needs. And so, Father, we're thankful. And we thank you for that. We thank you that we can trust you. And so we give in faith, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's receive the offering. for his faithfulness. Amen. Well, this morning I want to share with you the title of the message is Dealing with Emotions. And uh, emotions are something that all of us have to deal with. There are things that uh, arise in our life. We all have emotions, whether we've buried them or we're very much on the surface with them. We have emotions, but the reason I want to talk about emotions, I think we see in our culture today and around us, we see so often that people are literally being controlled by their emotions. Um, as Christians, we have authority over our emotions. Now, y'all know me that I'm pretty much an emotional guy. 
But you know, even, even at that, you still have to be able to have authority over your emotions because if we don't, what happens is those emotions begin to govern our life. They begin to control us. They begin to, they begin to dictate to us. We have those feelings of depression or rejection. You know, one of the emotions that I've had to wrestle with my entire life is the emotion of, of inferiority. And the, the, the potential in those emotions can overwhelm you. And so for years, because of that sense, that feeling of inferiority, it kept me from entering into relationships. It kept me from, from stepping into areas where I should have stepped into because of the fear of failure, because of my sense of inferiority. And so all of those things are emotions, and so we've got to take control over those things. We've got to be, recognize that we have authority over the emo, those emotions, and, and we take control of them rather than they taking control over us. The thing about it is we have an adversary, the enemy. He's there to steal, kill, and destroy. And that enemy wants to use those emotions to try to move us in a way that God doesn't want us to live. I mean, emotions will control our lives if we allow them to. Emotions will destroy relationships if we allow them to. Emotions will keep us from succeeding in life if we allow them to. And so rather than our emotions dictating to us, because it's inevitable, we all have emotions. But rather than them dictating to us, we have to get to the point where we begin to dictate to our emotions. We stop allowing feelings to, to tell us where we're going to go, what we're going to do, what we're going to achieve. When we find ourselves in those situations, that's what our emotions want to do. They want to control us. And so we need to take charge. We need to properly deal with emotions. And did you hear what I said? We need to properly deal with emotions because later on we're going to talk about how oftentimes the way that we deal with our emotions, we bury them. That's what I did. It's not a proper way to handle emotions. We've got to deal with these things. And so this is stuff that we have to confront, we have to look at if we're going to live the victorious life. Because our God, our Father, wants us to live the victorious life, not the defeated life. And when we allow emotions to take over, that's exactly what's going to happen. It was, it's important to understand the connection between our spirit and our soul. We're a threefold being. We've got to understand the connection between our soul and our spirit. Our foundational text for today is 3 John, the second verse. It's only one chapter, and so that's why you don't have to put the chapter out there. But it's, it's 3 John 1, 2, and it says, Beloved, 
And so John here is speaking to believers. And he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Nobody in this room remembers this because none of you are here. Except maybe Pastor Becky. But the first message that I ever preached at Abundant Life Ministries, which at that time was Loving Shepherd Fellowship, this was my text. That I desire for you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And the thing that I want you to see, the connection here, is as we've taught many, many times, our soul is our, our mind, will, and emotions. And as a spiritual being, even though we're a spiritual being, we'll never prosper beyond the extent that our soul prospers. Beyond the extent, and when I preached it 38 years ago now almost, what I talked about was the need for knowledge. If you don't know what God's done for you, you'll never be able to appropriate that through your spirit man. So we need to know what God's done for us. But the other side of it is, we have to have, we have to prosper in the area of our soul, in the area of our emotions, or that will hinder us, that will keep us from experiencing the fullness of what Jesus has made available to us. Because if we're controlled by emotions, when you're in, you need healing in your life, your feelings will tell you, well, you don't deserve it. You haven't gone to church enough. You haven't done this, that, or the other thing enough. And so what happens is, is what emotions do, is takes your focus... And it gets it off of God and it gets back on you. You see, my biggest problem in my Christian walk is not you. It is not the devil. It is not what's going on in the world. It's what's going on in me. And you see, if I don't get my emotions under control, what happens is my emotions begin to dominate me. And when my emotions begin to dominate me, my emotions will keep me from experiencing what Jesus has already provided for me. And so our scripture, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Prosperity is, is on every physical level. It's not just finances. Prosperity of our soul, prosperity of our, our spirit, prosperity in our finances, prosperity in our social life. God desires for us to prosper in all things, in every area of your life. But you know, it says that we'll never be able to do that beyond how we prosper in our soul. Let me read that same passage out of the New Living Translation. It says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body 
as you are strong in spirit. Well, that, that, that's understandable, isn't it? I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in your body as you are strong in your spirit. And so, of course, all of us know that God wants us to be strong in spirit. You know, that, that's, that's not something that we're going to argue over. But he says that he wants us to be as healthy in body as we are strong in spirit. You know, and so if there's any prerequisite there, is are we strong, are we strong in spirit? Because if we're not strong in spirit, it's not going to translate into the physical. Because I can say, by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. But do I believe it? And the believing comes through the spiritual realm. It doesn't come just through the physical. I can have a lot of information. I can have a lot of knowledge in my head. You know, that's why Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've heard it 150 times. But in the Greek, that's in the continuous present tense. And so what that's saying is faith comes by continually hearing the word of God. That we hear it over and over again. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And when I hear the word of God, I prosper in my spirit. And when I prosper in my spirit, I'm going to prosper in my soul. I'm going to prosper or I'm going to be strong in the physical. But yet spiritual is the base for us because we're a spiritual being. We are a spirit. We have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we have this physical body. And why is it so important for us to keep up this physical body? Because when this body dies and it turns to dirt, it no longer has any means to express itself. We're here today in these physical bodies so that God has a means to express himself in the earth through you and me. And it's going to be a wonderful thing when we go to heaven. Amen? Yes. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to it. But you know what? The moment that I go to heaven, the moment that I'm in the presence of Jesus, I no longer have a means to express myself in the earth. Because my physical body is going to be in the dirt. And my soul and spirit is going to be in the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I'll no longer have a means to express myself in the earth. Why are you here? Why are we here? We are here as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ. What is the body for? It's there to express the will of the head. That brain that's in our head that we're supposed to use sends signals throughout this body of ours to tell us what to do. And we know that when those 
nerves and whatever else is involved in it are disturbed or disconnected, interfered with, that body is no longer to, able to express itself the way that it ought to. Why? Because its connection is affected. You and I are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the church. And our connection with the head, our connection with Jesus is through the Spirit. And whenever there's a disconnect, this body doesn't express itself the way that it's supposed to or the way that it should. Why? Because we're not receiving the signal. And that's why we can never prosper physically, emotionally, in any area of our life unless we're connected spiritually. And 3 John says that we'll never prosper beyond what our soul prospers. Why? Because if we don't know what Jesus has done for us, there's a disconnect. If we don't have confidence in what Jesus has done for us, there's a disconnect. I can quote you all kinds of scriptures, but if I don't believe that it's so, there's a disconnect. With that disconnect, I'm not going to be able to express his will. We are spirits possessing a soul living in a physical body. Our souls, our minds, our, our souls are our mind, our will, and our emotions. If we're saved, when we die, our spirit and soul goes to heaven. And I know that I've already shared that, but it's what happens when you ignore your notes and get ahead of yourself. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 8th verse. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, there needs to be that longing in our life that we be in his presence. You know, when Dorothy was dying, and she was in hospice, she was in the nursing home down in Coon Rapids, and we'd go down and see her, and we'd sit there and visit with her, and she would doze off. And then she'd open her eyes, and she'd look around, and she'd go, Why am I still here? She was so longing. She was so excited about coming into the presence of our Lord and Savior. You know, I'm not saying we need to want to die today. But you know what? There needs to be a longing for Him. And the reason we don't have a longing for Him is because we don't really have a revelation of how marvelous, how wonderful He truly is and how magnificent it's going to be when we come into His presence. I mean, you know, you just got to watch yourself when you start talking about this because, you know, you just might... <clears throat> Might have a rapture drill or something, you know, just, you know. But, but you get thinking about it and there's, there, there, there's a longing for it because it's just so, 
It's, it's just so marvelous to think about Jesus. Remember the first funeral that I ever did? And I'm, it wasn't here, it was in another church. I was sharing the service with somebody and, and I was to share a little bit and, and I looked at the front row and it was the family and, and I realized at that point, you know, I could, I could determine which direction their emotions go. That's scary. But you know, whether you realize it or not, every one of us, we have that power within ourselves. We can, we can either be a help to somebody that is struggling emotionally, or we can be a curse. We can either help bring them out of it, or we can be part of leading them deeper into it. And primary, primarily, the way that we do that is through words. But we, we, have, we have that power within us. And so anyway, you know, I started sharing scripture and some of the scripture that I was sharing was about heaven and so forth. And this had never happened to me before when I was behind the pulpit, but I almost, I almost lost myself. Because in reading those scriptures about heaven, knowing that this, this lady had gone there, there was within me this longing and I almost lost sight of what I was there for. That's where we need to be with the things of God. We should be so in tune with him and who he is and what, what heaven represents. Do you know what heaven represents? Heaven represents being free of this physical body that binds us, that holds us back of all the stuff that we have to deal with in this world. We're going to be totally free of that. It's yeah. I agree. I mean, I... I <laughs> that's heaven oh, it's not this dreary place where we're going to hang around on on clouds playing harps well, I screwed up I didn't learn to play the harp now I get to heaven I'm going to have to learn the whole thing no 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 that's not heaven heaven is going to be a whole lot like here with no difficulties I better preach or I'm just going to leave here. Let me read 3 John again. But I want to read it from the Amplified this time. Beloved. That's you and me. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way. Now, how do we debate that? How do we debate the fact that over and over again, he tells us, he longs for us, he desires, he's praying that we may prosper in every way. That means if there's an area in your life where you're not prospering, that is not God's plan for you. And so what does that mean? That means I need to find out what God's plan is for me. That's in his word. And I need to convince or let me rephrase that, get in agreement with the Spirit and demand that my emotions line up with it. But you know what? Oftentimes we're walking around all down in the mouth and everything else 
Because we're not focusing on the promise, we're focusing on the problem. We're looking at the things around us rather than looking at the answer, who is Jesus. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. And so as our soul prospers, as our soul is in agreement with God. You see, it starts with the spirit. Every one of us are a threefold being. When we got born again, my soul did not get born again. My physical body didn't get born again. My spirit got born again. When I woke up the next morning after I'd been born again, my physical body wanted to do what my physical body had always done. My mind wanted to think the way that it always thought. But then Romans 12, 2 says that we're to renew our minds by the Word of God. And so as I read the Word, as I meditate on the Word, as I hear the Word being preached to me, it changes the way that I think about things. In reality, what happens is my soul gets in agreement with my spirit. Well, pastor, you're saying you can trust your spirit? Yes, because my spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit that I've been born again. And so everything that my spirit wants is an agreement in alignment with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has come to live within me to regenerate my spirit man. And so what does my soul have to do? My mind, my will, my emotions. It gets in agreement with the Word of God. And so fear and insecurity tries to rug its, raise its head. But you know what? That doesn't agree with what the Spirit says. Because the Spirit, through the Word of God, says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Greater is He that is in you than who is in the world. And as a result of that, if God's asked me to do something, I can do it. Not because I'm so capable, but because His Spirit says that I can do it, and I get in agreement with Him. So then when my spirit, <clears throat> my soul gets in agreement with my spirit, that's my mind, my will, and my, my emotions, when it gets in agreement with my spirit, my physical body can get in agreement with it. The Word of God says that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. But you know what? I can know that intellectually. I can know that in my soul. But if my soul hasn't come to the place where it gets in agreement with the Spirit, where it says, that is true, that is mine. At that point, my physical body then can begin to get in agreement with it. But you know, oftentimes what we want to do is we just want to throw a passage out there. The Bible says it. You know, I, I quote Smith Wigglesworth all the time. He says, the Bible says that I believe it and that settles it. But you know what? It isn't that easy. Because the settling comes by a determination. The Bible says that I believe it. Now what I really have to do is convince myself. 
Because once I convince myself, it's settled. And the only way that I can convince myself is to hear that word, meditate on that word over and over. I wish there was a shortcut. You know, people talk about shoving the Bible down people's throat. I wish you could. If I could, I would. But it doesn't work that way. It requires each and every one of us to receive it for ourselves. And when we receive it for ourselves, then we'll begin to see the manifestation of it in our lives. And so when we begin to get a hold of this, when we get the revelation that I am a spirit man, and when my soul, my mind, will, and emotions get involved and get in agreement with what the Spirit says, and my physical body then begins to line up with my soul, that's the state of wholeness. Jesus spoke to the woman at the, at the well. Not at the well. The woman with the issue of blood. You remember the account. She had had this infirmity for 12 years, this bleeding. She wasn't allowed to be in public. She wasn't, you know, she had spent everything that she had. She only grew worse. And she heard about Jesus and she said, if I can just, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well and we have the account how she worked her way, fought her way through the crowd, and she got to, to Jesus, in spite of the fact that if she was found out, she could be taken to the edge of the city and stoned because of her condition. But she didn't care. She fought her way through the crowd, and she got to Jesus. She touched the hem of his garment. And you remember what happened? Jesus was stopped in his tracks. He turned around and he said, who touched me? And the disciple says, everybody's touching you. And he says, no, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me in faith. And she realized she was being exposed, and so she made herself known. And Jesus said something interesting concerning her, because in her physical body, she was already healed. Jesus felt virtue flow out of him, himself, and she felt the virtue flow into her. And it said immediately the issue of blood was dried up. She was healed. But Jesus turns around to the woman and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say, Daughter, your faith has healed you. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. What does that mean? It means every area of your life. Every area of your life. Because she had nothing, because she had spent everything. What the enemy had stolen, God was going to restore. Her relationships with others, because she wasn't able to go out, was restored. Because of Jesus. She wasn't able to go to temple. Because she wasn't allowed to leave her house or apartment. She was now able to go to temple. Her life was restored. 
When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we recognize that we are a spirit being and we begin to renew our minds according to the Word of God which empowers us to believe what He's done for us in the physical, we are made whole. We have life. We have life abundantly. That's his plan. That's his purpose for each and every one of us. But guess where it begins after we've been born again? It begins in that realm of our emotions. Because our emotions will tell us over and over again, you can't do it. You don't have it. You're not smart enough. This, that, and the other thing. I've heard every one of them. But at some point, you put it down and you say, I choose to believe what the Word of God says about me. I am going to believe that I've been set free because the Word of God tells me that I've been set free. I'm going to believe that I can do what needs to be done because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who are we going to believe? Ghost, but no. <laughs> who are we going to believe? What are we going to believe? But you know what? We have to make a decision. We talk about decisions. But you know what? It carries over into the realm of the emotions. Because our emotions want to dominate us. Our emotions want to control us. I know there was such a long period. I didn't, I didn't really have control over um, my emotions. <clears throat> you know, I remember when I had L.D. Jules' uh, funeral. And... Uh, uh, be before the service, I had to go down in the basement all by myself and I had to pray and I had to say, God, you've given me authority over these emotions. I can control myself. I can do this because in the natural, I could not do it. And I did it. After the service, I went back down, went in one of the rooms and bawled my eyes out. We can control our emotions, but we have to make a decision. I can do this. I can overcome this. Remember getting up in front of people and being so fearful. Y'all scared me. But it's so full of fear, it would, I, I, would, I would freeze. But I had to make a decision, Father, you've called me. If you've called me, you've equipped me. And if you've equipped me, I can do this. You can do all things. You can do what Christ has called you to do, but it begins with our emotions. We have to choose whether we're going to be a blessing or whether we're going to be a curse to somebody else. You know, emotionally, there's times that I've wanted to deal with things. I've wanted to tear people down. But I knew it was me. And so I had to take authority over that and I had to put it down and I had to get over it. Had to get past myself. And you know what? Every one of us have to do this. Remember one Sunday, there was a... Oh, I was going to be shorter today. But, <clears throat> but there was a Sunday and uh, I, don't, I don't know... It was during the time of worship and there was somebody that had left the church and, and uh, I know this is really hard to believe but they'd said some kind of nasty things about me. 
And they'd been gone for some time. And, and all at once they showed up back in the church. And I'm standing in my place in the front row worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden this individual came forward and stood next to me. And I looked over and I saw him. We put our arms around each other. And we, we worshiped God through that service together. And after the service, one of the teenage girls came up to me and she's, she's weeping. And I said, what's wrong? And she says, oh, pastor, I can't, I can't believe that you were able to do that. And I said, what are you talking about? And she says, I heard the things that he had said about you. But yet you were able to put your arm around him. You were able to love him. Let me tell you something. My emotions in and of themselves are incapable of doing that. But see, I know something. I know that the debt that I owed God because of my sin was beyond my ability to ever repay. And he forgave me. And I look at that and I, I think there isn't anything that anybody on the face of this earth that they can do to me that comes close to what I did to God. And if he could forgive me, there isn't anybody that I can't forgive. Well, you're just special. No, it's not nothing special about that. It's a decision. And let me tell you about decisions. I don't know if you've noticed this, if you've ever had to lose weight. Some of you guys are just so stinking skinny. I just, you know, you irritate me. But I forgive you. But you ever notice this when you have to lose weight? You have to make that decision every time food shows up. I'm talking about walking through Casey's. I'm talking about walking through the grocery store. I'm talking about Donna bringing cookies and laying them on your, on your desk. I'm talking about, you didn't know she did that, did you? <clears throat> Every time you have to make that decision. Let me tell you something about forgiveness. It isn't a one-time decision deal. Once you've forgiven somebody, you've got to review that. You've got to rehearse that in your life and remind yourself, I've forgiven that person. Because you know what? You, you give into it for 15 seconds and you're full blown. Remember everything that's ever been done to you. Because your brain is like a computer. And all that you have to do is hit the right button and everything, all of your memory comes back. You have to make the decision over and over again. Delete, delete, delete. Amen. Yeah. Proverbs 23, 7. You're all familiar with it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, how do you think? What are you thinking about? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, I know the world says that this isn't true. But I think most of us in this room have realized this. That there's a difference between men and women. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
There's a difference. And you know what? Not just simply physically. In our emotional makeup, there's a difference. You know, women are more aware of their emotions than men are. Because we have this, this man law. And this man law is that as a man, it's unmanly to show your emotions. And so what do we do? We bury them. And so what do they do? They eat us up. You know, that was my solution. Bury it. You know, get angry about something, what would I do? I'd bury it. Until something tipped me over the edge. And then I'd explode. Never dealt with the emotion of it. You know, anger is an emotion, and we, it's something that we have to deal with. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. And so there's a, there's a proper place for us to be angry about situations, but he says, don't, don't give in to it. And so oftentimes with us men, emotionally, we're unhealthy. And it's because we've been told over and over again that it's wrong to express the emotions. But then on the other hand, we find women that are unhealthy emotionally because they've allowed their emotions to come to the forefront and therefore those emotions dictate and control their life. And so what it comes down to is that both of us, men and women, we need to take authority over our emotions. We men, we need to recognize that emotions are not a bad thing that it's all right to express our emotions as long as they don't control us. And women need to understand that it's not wrong to be emotional, to have emotions, but it's wrong when those emotions begin to dictate to your life and show you where you're going to go and what you're going to do. And so in any key, either case, our emotions can either be a blessing or they can be a curse. You know, I, I say it in my own life because I'm, I'm emotional. You know, because I'm able to identify with people where they're at and I can express my emotions in that situation and ministers to them. But you know, there's the other side of it where my emotions begin to be a curse. When those emotions, emotions control me. Those emotions begin to dictate to me how I feel about a situation or a certain person. And so we need to control our emotions. Proverbs 16, 32, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. It says, He is slow to anger, is better than the mighty. Now listen to this. He who rules his own spirit than he who takes a city. And here we're talking about spirits, talking about our soul and spirit. He who controls his emotions, who, who controls his thoughts, who controls his feelings, is going to have control over himself. If we can control our emotions, 
there's no limit to what we can accomplish. Because if we can control our emotions, we can look at every opportunity and we can say, I can do that. God, have you called me to do that? Because anything that he's called us to do, we can achieve it through his strength and through his ability. We are emotional beings. Don't fear your emotions. Don't be controlled by your emotions. Recognize that your emotions are a good thing. But they don't dominate me. I'm dominated. I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit. And the reason that we're dominated and controlled by the Holy Spirit is because our soul prospers. In all areas, because our soul prospers, in all areas, it manifests and it dictates itself through our physical body. We live the physical, or excuse me, we live the victorious, abundant life because of what Jesus has done for us. And we know what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you that we are a soul. We are spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. And you've given us the tools. You've given us everything that is needful for us to be able to live and walk the victorious, abundant life. And so, Lord, we make the decision. We choose you. Father, have your way in us and through us. And we'll give you all the glory in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that which we heard today, we're going to seal it as we receive Holy Communion together. And... Uh, <clears throat> This is what I want to do today. I'm going to, we're going to do it a little bit differently. As we receive Holy Communion today, what I want us to do is, as you come forward, I want those on the far end, beginning with Mike in the front row, I want you to come forward and receive the elements, and then the next row follow, and the next and go around the, the outside. And same thing on that end, go around and go around. And when the outside is done, the inside you begin to follow. And when you come through, come down the middle aisle and then go back to your seats from there. The reason that I want to do that this morning is I, I don't want your focus to be on the ushers or on the elders. I want you to hear my voice as you're walking through. But I want you to focus on, I want you to Look at it from this standpoint. I'm coming to receive the body and the blood of my Lord Jesus Christ. And as you go around and you continue back to your seat, you can go ahead and be seated. And, and you can either receive the elements right then or you can wait and at the very end, we'll receive both of them together. And so... <clears throat>
if we will, let's begin to receive the elements. Mike, if you'll begin, Terry, if you'll begin, and go around the outside. That way we'll keep our flow going. And then as you go back to your seats, go through the middle. Just take one piece of bread and, and take the, the juice and continue back to your seat. You know, I think sometimes with communion as so many things we're, we're concerned, we get, if you will, we get religious about it. We do it because this is how we've always done it. We don't think about what we're really going through. But I want you today to think about the price, the sacrifice that was made for you. That Jesus came, that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Jeff and Joe. The Bible says on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, it says that he took bread. And after he had broken it, he took it to his disciples, gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. For this represents my body, which was broken for you. And then he took the grape juice, the juice, the wine. And he took a drink of it and he, he said, this is my blood in the new covenant, which has been shed for you. That when we receive it, we're to receive it in remembrance of him. And this is the point. The point is, it's all about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega. Jesus is the beginning. He's the end. We would say he's the A to the Z. He's all of it. And so as we receive communion today, let's place our thoughts upon him. And so just for a moment as you sit there, let's take a moment and reflect upon Jesus. Think about his goodness. Think about how good he's been to you, how wonderful he's been to you. Think about how he loved you so much that he sent his most precious, precious possession, Jesus, to pay the propitiation for your sins. That they might be completely wiped away, washed away as far as the east is from the west. That's how much he loves you. Father, this morning, as a reminder to us of your love for us, we take this bread that represents the body of Jesus. And we think about the fact that his body was broken 
so that we might be whole. And so we receive this bread today, Father, with thanksgiving, thanking you for the great love with which you've loved us. The body of Christ, which has been broken for you, receive it in remembrance of you. And then this juice represents the blood of Jesus. His blood was shed to wash away our sins, to be remembered no more. And so set your mind upon that love that sent him to the cross, that caused his blood to be shed so that you and I might be forgiven, that we might once again have intimate fellowship with our Heavenly Father. The blood of Christ, which has been shed for you, receive it in remembrance of Him. Now, Father, we thank you today for your goodness and for your love. We thank you, Father, that in every situation, we can trust you completely. That you're unchanging. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, we can be eternally confident in you, knowing that your love for us will never change. And so, Father, allow us to be your representatives in this earth that those around us might see your goodness and that we might be, be vessels through which that goodness can flow to others. We want to be your mouthpiece. We want to be your hands. We want to be your feet to minister to the needs of others. Use us, Father, for your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them.